Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned into the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Hey everybody, welcome into the Cherry Picking Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Cherry, and I am welcoming you in to a brand new edition of the show. I was off last week. As you may know, I was in Austin, Texas for the Austin Film Festival, so I didn't get a chance to record my regular weekly recap for week eight action, but I'm back in Philly, and I'm back in the groove of things, and we had week nine action yesterday, so let's just go ahead, dive right in. We'll start with my top five locks for week nine action. This week in the ACC, I had Notre Dame over North Carolina, and boy, Notre Dame got the victory, 44-34. These two offenses racked up close to 1,100 total yards combined. So there was was some offense that was on display last night in this North Carolina-Notre Dame matchup. It was definitely a battle of offenses. At the start of the fourth quarter, the score was actually 27-31 Notre Dame. So UNC was making a ball game out of this. They were in this game. Despite the fact that Notre Dame is ranked really high within the AP right now, I think coming into this matchup, they may have been number 11, I believe. But North Carolina was hanging, man. Irish running back Kyron Williams, he was a star in this game as a running back rushed for 199 yards on 22 carries and including an impressive 91-yard touchdown run to push the Irish lead out to 11 points at the start of the fourth quarter. So that was definitely the spark that really led and and carried Notre Dame the rest of the way. But that's one heck of a way to start the fourth quarter by running for 91 yards for a touchdown. Now, if we look at the Tar Heels, they have Sam Howell, the impressive quarterback for UNC. This guy is a legit quarterback. The team is not playing very well, but Sam Howell is a tremendous athlete, a tremendous player. In this matchup last night, he accounted for 432 yards of offense with two touchdowns. So he threw for 341 yards. He had one touchdown and one interception, but then he also ran for 91 yards on 18 carries with one touchdown. So this man was just an all-purpose, a dual threat yesterday in that matchup against Notre Dame. He was doing everything that he could to help his Tar Heels win that game or at least be in a position to win the game, and it still wasn't enough. It certainly is a tough loss for the Tar Heels, but I really am hoping that they've got enough juice left to beat Wake Forest this upcoming weekend. I think there's some things that work well for North Carolina. I think they are a, they're a decent team. They had a lot of hype coming into this season. They were ranked like number 10 to start the season. North Carolina wasn't deserving of that. That's apparent. But North Carolina is competitive. They pushed Notre Dame to its limits yesterday. I'm hoping that they can be a true test for Wake Forest because I, I don't know that Wake Forest has truly been tested yet. And I'm not trying to take away from what they've done. An impressive start. I think they're 8-0 right now. 5-0 in the conference. But they haven't been tested. And I hope that North Carolina has a little bit left. Like a little bit of com- competitiveness. A little bit of self-respect left to bring it against Wake Forest this upcoming weekend because I think that could be an upset game in the making. I truly do. And that would be great for my NC State Wolfpack for Wake Forest to suffer a loss before they play NC State later this season. But tough loss for UNC. If we look at Notre Dame, I think they are really in a, a really great position right now. They're at 7-1. and one. 
They've got four games left on the schedule, three of which come against teams with losing records. So shout out to Brian Kelly, the head coach, because on paper, their schedule looked brutal. It looked absolutely brutal. And the fact that they are 7-1 and one right now, hats off to Brian Kelly because this team has played up. I, I know that Cincinnati loss wasn't good. You know, you don't want to lose at home. You don't want to lose to any team. But Cincinnati, they, they played really well. But Notre Dame still has something to play for. And I think that they will be in a great position to land a really solid bowl. If not the playoffs themselves, I mean, there's still some things that could happen. But their schedule is very winnable, and they could put themselves in a great position for a solid bowl or maybe even get into the playoffs, an outside shot of that. So shout out to Brian Kelly and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish for an impressive win this weekend out of the ACC. I had Notre Dame over UNC. In the Big Ten, I took Minnesota. So P.J. Fleck has got his boys rowing that boat. (laughs) Over Northwestern. Chicago's Big Ten team, Northwestern. And boy, Minnesota rode those boats all over Northwestern this weekend by a score of 41 to 14. Northwestern's offense has been non existent this entire season. In the last two games, which were also two straight losses, the Cats have been outscored 74 points to 21. And coming into this matchup this weekend, the Cats ranked at 117th out of 130th. In points per game at 19.7. So that's that's damn near at the bottom of college football, FBS. So this, it's been a tough go for Northwestern this season. In this matchup, Minnesota had a super effective day running the ball. As a team, the Golden Gophers rushed for 308 yards for the day. Good golly, that's a lot of yardage. Running backs Marquise Irving rushed for 110 yards on 19 carries with two touchdowns. And Kai Thomas ran for a buck six on 21 carries. As a team, the Minnesota Golden Gophers ground game accounted for four touchdowns. So they're running the ball really well at Minnesota right now. Minnesota dominated time of possession, if you can believe it or not, 40 minutes to Northwestern's nearly 20 minutes. So that ground game really ate up a lot of clock. They were really effective in, in pushing the ball and extending series. And getting first down, so Minnesota took care of the business this past weekend. Solid win for Minnesota, who is in sole possession of the top spot in the Big Ten West right now, which is honestly a surprise to me. The fact that they are in first place. I mean, that's awesome for P.J. Fleck. I mean, he is turning that program into a legit program. Minnesota is no joke right now. I honestly thought that Iowa would probably would have ran away with it, but... They haven't looked well ever since they lost to Purdue. So they are in a great position to win this thing out, like to win it out and win the West. That's uh, crazy. Hats off to the Minnesota Golden Gophers. They are rowing boats over there all the way to first place right now. So let's see if they can keep it up. So that was a win for me out of the Big Ten. Out of the Big 12, I had Oklahoma State over Kansas. And boy, this was a beating. 55-3. to This was ugly, my friends. I mean, this is a good bounce back win for OK State after they had suffered a three-point loss to Iowa State the prior week. Oklahoma State, which hadn't scored more than 32 points this entire season, and they had averaged 25.7 points, led 38-0 at halftime and held a 331 yards to 49 yards over Kansas. So 331 yards to 49 yards. That advantage is huge. 
Kansas didn't achieve a first down until about six minutes into the third quarter when the Cowboys had already led the game 45-0. Good God. So after a strong showing last week and their loss to Oklahoma, when he completed 17 of 23 passes for 246 yards and a touchdown, Jason Bean struggled in this matchup. Two of his first three pass attempts were intercepted, which led directly to 10 Oklahoma State points as the Cowboys took a 17-0 lead early in the second quarter. Bean ended up completing 3 of 10 passes for 10 yards. That's crazy. While gaining 24 yards on 9 rushes before he was replaced after halftime by Miles Kendrick. So in addition to leading the team in rushing this week, Kendrick completed 6 of 8 passes for 34 yards with 1 interception. I mean, those stats that I just read out to you are like Pop Warner stats. Those are NYFL stats, like little kids stats. And, you know, those kids at Kansas, they're playing to their best of their abilities. Like, they're playing as hard as they can. But it's just, it's it's so sad to see Kansas get dominated like that every week by teams. They, they played a, a close game against Oklahoma, as you all are aware. But getting beat up like this, 55-3 to to OK State, that's not fun, I'm sure. But... It helped me get the victory this week out of the Big 12, so I'll take it. In the Pac-12, we had the Oregon Ducks over the Colorado Buffaloes. Got the victory there, 52-29. The Ducks beat up on the Buffs. Anthony Brown Jr., quarterback for Oregon, he threw for 307 yards and three touchdowns. And number 7 Oregon amassed a season high, 568 total yards and a 52-29 victory over Colorado yesterday. I'm recording this on Halloween, 10:31. Travis Dye, the running back for the Ducks, ran for two touchdowns and caught another for Oregon, which extended its winning streak at Otson Stadium to 17 games. So that's pretty impressive, and that's a solid victory for me, solid victory for the Ducks. They are rolling along here. They got a few more games left. We'll see what they can do with it. Then out of the SEC, I had Missouri over Vandy. I got the victory here as well. Missouri won 37-28. Vanderbilt was in this game all the way up until the end, if you can believe it or not. Vanderbilt put up a fight. Missouri's offense racked up over 500 total yards in this game, including a solid 284-yard rushing effort against the Vanderbilt defense. However, Missouri committed nine penalties, nine, for a total of 100 yards which no doubt helped Vanderbilt stay in this game as long as they did. You know I don't like penalties like that. And the fact that they had nine penalties for over 100 yards, or for 100 yards even, that's that's no good. That's a lot of yardage you're giving up on stupid penalties. Missouri, they're gonna really going to have to correct those mental mistakes if they expect to finish the season off strong and potentially earn a bowl bid. Because you can't be doing that stuff against teams like Georgia, which you play This week, if you're on the Missouri program or if you're a fan of that program, the Tigers got Georgia on the road. Then they have South Carolina. You know, they've got a one and four record right now. So that's a winnable game. Florida is two and four right now in conference. So that's also winnable. And at Arkansas, who is one and three. But I like Arkansas. They they may be one and three, but Arkansas plays better than that record indicates. So that's going to be a tough game. And and Florida will be tough as well. Uh, None of these games are going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination, but Missouri's got a chance. Maybe not next week against Georgia, but the last three games of the season, they certainly have a chance to become bowl eligible. So we'll see if they can correct those mistakes and get that eligibility. 
But there we have it, my friends. That was uh, Those were my top five picks or my top five locks for week nine action. I went 5-0 and oh this week, which is outstanding. I'll take it. 5-0 and oh this week. Real quick here, if we take a look at some of the other week nine matchups that had my interest, we had Georgia over Florida. Georgia got the pretty nice, pretty easy victory over the Gators, 34-7. Georgia beat the doors in against the Gators. Its defense did its job well yet again. I mean, only giving up a touchdown in the entire game, that's, that's impressive. Florida managed no points, 11 first downs, and 214 yards through three quarters, and it looked like its decades-old NCAA record scoring streak might be in jeopardy down the stretch, but the Gators got on the scoreboard with 2 minutes 49 seconds remaining in the game, which helped extend the streak to 418 games that they've scored. That's crazy. They have scored in every outing since getting shut out by Auburn in 1988. I was 2 years old. That's crazy. Florida has had a pretty rough stretch here. And it looked as if Florida was going to be one of the legit teams out of the SEC. Like, I thought they would really be pushing for the playoffs. And the fact that they are now 1-3 in the last four games, it has me wondering if Dan Mullen is on the hot seat at Florida. Florida seems to have pretty high expectations for their athletics, most particularly football, and pretty rabid fan base. I mean, you know, Florida expects to win. But I just wonder if Dan Mullen is on the hot seat this season because I thought the expectations were sky high for Florida this year. I thought they had a pretty solid chance of pushing for a playoff spot or pushing for the SEC title this year. And it looks as if they have stumbled, you know, these last several weeks. And I'm just really wondering if Dan Mullen is on the hot seat. What do you, what do you all think? Do you think he is in jeopardy of losing his job this season? It's just, uh, it's kind of rough how things have, progressed over these last four weeks and the fact that they're one in three right now during that span that's I that's got to be no good if you are a Florida Gators fan or a part of that program and I'm just wondering what your opinions are if you think he's in trouble there another game we had Michigan State over Michigan little brother versus big brother Michigan State got the victory 37 to 33 they weren't playing well in the in the start of the game I was watching a few quarters of this game, my man, Naperville Central's finest, Peyton Thorne, probably had his worst game of the season against Michigan, if I'm being honest. Like, he did not look good to start that game. And the fact that Michigan State, little brother, was able to finally win one against big brother by a score of 37-33, to that's pretty impressive. Peyton Thorne, as I mentioned, he didn't have his greatest performance. He went 19 for 30 for 196 yards, no touchdowns, two picks in this game. And he was also sacked three times. So yikes, man. That, that's no good. However, Spartans running back Kenneth Walker III, he's a transfer from Wake Forest. He probably had his Heisman moment in this game. He rushed for 197 yards on 23 carries with five touchdowns. So if I were a betting man on a Heisman winner, I'd probably take Walker to win it all at this point if I, if I were a better. But it's not going to get any easier for Michigan State. They are getting into the toughest part of their schedule. They saved the best for last, I guess, in the fact that they've got games against Ohio State and Penn State still upcoming. I know Penn State looks a lot different now than they did 
to start the season. I, I really thought Penn State was going to win the East after the way they started this season. It's not looking like that's going to be the case this season, but I wouldn't overlook Penn State if I'm Michigan State, which I'm sure they're not. I'm, Mel Tucker seems to be a, a really uh, great ball coach for that program right now. And so those are going to be some tough contests. So I would still take Walker. If I, if I were a betting man, I would probably say Walker's going to win it. But they've got some serious tests left against Ohio State, then Penn State. It would be nice to see Michigan State win the East. Uh, I mean, I, I'm in favor of that. Somebody different than Ohio State every year would be great. But it's going to be tough here in the stretch. So, But those were uh, some games from Week 9 action that really had my interest this week. After the break, we will get into my Week 10 locks. We'll talk a little bit of other college football-related news, including my thoughts on the Temple program right now. Yikes. But I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. The Cherry Picking Podcast will be right back after a short break. Welcome into the Everything Else Podcast, presented by Cherry Pickin' Entertainment. You already listened to the Cherry Pickin' Podcast to hear the freshest college football insights around. Now, Cherry Pickin' Entertainment brings you a new podcast dedicated to talking about anything and everything pop culture related. This is the Everything Else Podcast. That's right. If you love listening to the Cherry Pickin' Podcast, then you're in for a treat with my brand new show called the Everything Else Podcast. This is the new home for everything pop culture related. If you love Marvel Comics, cool, let's do this. If you love movies, I got you there. Music, I got you there too, fam. TV programming, let's go. Do you want a little news and sports action? Sure, why not? Because like I said before, this is the new home for everything else. I'm looking forward to kicking this podcast off with you. We're going to have fun and we'll also feature some exciting guests who want to discuss what's hot in pop culture. And there will be many more surprises along the way. I bring you the Everything Else podcast under the new home for all my content, Cherry Picking Entertainment. Hope you like and subscribe to my new show and I can't wait to talk to you soon. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Now we'll get into my top five locks for Week 10 action, and we'll kick this off in the ACC. I'm taking Virginia Tech over Boston College, and there were some pretty positive expectations for both of these programs heading into this season, but these teams have trended in the wrong direction. In the last five games, these teams have a losing record. Virginia Tech is 2-3 and three right now. Boston College is 1-4 during this this stretch of the uh, previous five games. So I'll give the edge to Virginia Tech in this matchup. Boston College is battling through some injury issues. It it just, uh, things didn't break their way this season. Again, they had some pretty high expectations for this season. I thought that they would be one of the teams pushing for uh, first or second place in the Atlantic this year. And I think right now they're at like the bottom of the Atlantic in terms of the standings. So Tough break for both of these teams, but I think Virginia Tech has got enough to beat Boston College this upcoming weekend. So I'm taking VT over Boston College in the ACC. 
In the Big Ten, I'm taking Minnesota. So P.J. Fleck has got his boys rowing that boat (laughs) over Illinois. Minnesota will row the boats big time over Illinois this weekend. The Golden Gophers are averaging 210 yards rushing per game. So I think they'll rely heavily on Trey Potts and Marquise Irving again this week. Those two gentlemen had a great performance this past weekend in their Week 9 matchup. And I'm thinking that they will have enough to beat Illinois this weekend pretty easily. So Minnesota over Illinois in the Big Ten. In the Big 12, I'm taking Baylor over TCU. If you can believe it or not, this is the 117th meeting between these two teams, which dates back to 1899. Baylor trails this series 56-53 to and seven ties. So pretty pretty even there. It's pretty pretty close. And they've lost the last five. They've lost five of the last six meetings. However, Baylor is pretty good right now. They're looking pretty good. They are at seven and one on their record right now for their for their season. TCU is trending in the wrong direction as they've lost their last three games by an average of 17 points. I think Baylor will get a pretty good win over TCU this weekend. With all things considered, they should beat TCU this weekend out of the Big 12. So Baylor over TCU. In the Pac-12, I'm taking Oregon over Washington. Oregon has won 14 of the last 16 meetings, including six of the last seven in Seattle. So that is a pretty crazy stat. Sadly, I think about Aaron Rodgers a few weeks ago when he said what he said after he scored against the Bears a few weeks ago about him owning us. And I'm doing that with air quotes. I'm a Bears fan. That reminds me of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, winning 14 of the last 16 meetings, that's like, I own you. Like, I own you. I've got rights over you. And the fact that they have won six of the last seven in Seattle, that's pretty crazy, man. So Oregon, I think, will get a pretty good win against the Huskies this weekend. So Oregon over Washington in the Pac-12. Then in the SEC, I'm taking Florida over South Carolina. Florida is in need of a win, and I think they will get it against the Gamecocks this weekend. This should be a nice bounce-back win for the Gators after losing their last two games. So out of the SEC, I'm taking Florida over South Carolina. So let me run it back for you one more time here in the ACC, Virginia Tech over Boston College, in the Big Ten, Minnesota over Illinois, out of the Big 12, Baylor over TCU, out of the Pac-12, Oregon over Washington, and in the SEC, Florida over South Carolina. So there we have it, friends. Those are my week five. Uh, those are my top five week ten locks. If we look at some other matchups, there really, there really weren't many games that had my interest this weekend. I think Auburn versus Texas A&M should be a pretty, pretty big matchup out of the SEC. But outside of that, I mean, I'm really glued to this Wake Forest versus North Carolina game because. Wake Forest, while they are 8-0 right now, they're 5-0 in the conference, they haven't been tested yet. They truly haven't been. And I want to see if this team is for real. I know North Carolina is going in the wrong direction. They have been really underwhelming, really disappointing if you uh, are a Tar Heels fan. Their season hasn't gone the way that many had expected it to. But if they've got enough self-respect left, if, they, if they've got some of that juice left, to uh, try and upset a team such as Wake Forest. This should be a great matchup. I mean, UNC put up some offense against Notre Dame this past weekend. If they they saved enough, I think they should push Wake Forest 
and who knows, maybe get an upset victory. So I'm really going to be glued to that. But outside of that, I mean, outside of my locks and uh, Auburn versus Texas A&M, there really isn't much that has my interest outside of those games. But there's still some action to enjoy in Week 10, and it should be a good weekend nonetheless. So those are my locks. I'm hoping that UNC can do uh, do some dirty work here and beat Wake Forest for my NC State Wolfpack. But outside of that, uh, there are a few games here to enjoy this weekend, and I hope you have a good seat at the couch, or if, if you're going to go to the game, hope you enjoy that as well, and hope you stay safe. Before we get out of here, I did just want to share my thoughts on the Temple football program. I'm a Philly guy. I live several bo- blocks away from the Temple campus. I know I haven't given Temple much love on this podcast this season, but uh, I did want to talk briefly about my thoughts on the program right now. You can listen to my previous podcast that I put out uh, at the end of last season in regards to kind of the revolving door of players coming in, players leaving the program, which I at the time I didn't think was a good idea. I didn't think that was a good way to build up a program the amount of players leaving the door and leaving to go to other programs. So just real quick, want to share my thoughts on what I think is happening at Temple. Um, Temple, they're currently three and four overall. They're one and two in the conference. They've dropped the last three games by an average of 37 points. And they've got four games left on the schedule. So they can turn it around. They really could. But I'm not confident they will win another game this season, if I'm being truthful. The South Florida Bulls, a team they played this past weekend, they put up some numbers on Temple. It's embarrassing because Temple was so solid for so long, especially on defense. I mean, they were known for their defense. And the South Florida Bulls tallied 421 yards on the ground to mark the third time in its program history that South Florida has topped 400 rushing yards. That is embarrassing. That's embarrassing. That you let a team run all up and down you this past weekend. The third time they've done that. They put up 421 yards of rushing. That's that's bad. And uh, that's not a mark of a, of a well-coached team. When you're letting other teams run up and down on the field against you. 421 yards, damn. Rod Carey, he's, he, he was a good coach at Northern Illinois. You know, you know his resume. He was pretty solid coach there for the Huskies out in DeKalb. But in his third season at the program at Temple, he is currently 12 and 16 during this three series or three year stretch that he's been at the program. I tweeted this out yesterday and I'll I'll read it to you again today. Temple's program has been trending in the wrong direction for a while now. It's sad considering how successful this program has been in recent history. In their three straight losses, the Owls were outscored 135 points to 24. You gotta wonder what the new AD, Arthur Johnson, is thinking right now. A ton of player turnover last season, which that concerned me. That was a red flag to me. And I even said this when uh, when Kerry was uh, announced as a new head coach. I wondered, truthfully, why Kerry wanted to come to Temple from NIU. In my opinion, everything everything he accomplished with the Huskies, like it seemed like a lateral move to come from NIU to go to Temple. And that's no dig on Temple. That's no knock on Temple or anything. But 
Carey was a pretty damn good coach for Northern Illinois. And I just wondered why weren't other programs knocking on his door to try to, to poach this guy, to get him to go from NIU to, say, like Minnesota or Illinois, like a Big Ten school or some other conference. Like to go from NIU to Temple seemed like a lateral move, in my opinion. I don't know what that relationship was like for Rod Carey and the AD at NIU. He had been there for, for a little little while there. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if he just wanted to do something new. I just, I don't know why you come to Temple if you're Rod Carey. Like, if you can just maybe wait out another season, you could maybe have your pick of a, of a bigger school, a better school. Um, you know, team within the Big Ten, like a school within the Big Ten. You were in Big Ten country. I just, it was just always, I was always so curious by that and fascinated. Like, why would you come here? And the way he's playing, it's, I don't know if he's long for here. And I just, I had to say something because I don't know what's going on with that program right now. And I just wonder what Arthur Johnson is thinking right now. You know? It just that's that's sad the way that the Temple program is playing. When Ray Davis, a running back, he was a sensational running back for Temple a couple years ago. When he when he came in as a freshman, he was great. When he leaves during the season, he transfers out. Like what's going on here? That 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 doesn't happen often. When you're a starter of a program and you're going to transfer out of the program, like at the start of the season, like you already played like four games of the season. You're going to transfer. Okay, that seems uh, a little troubling. And then you've got some other Temple Tough guys that have left the program as well. Anthony Russo, the quarterback, longtime quarterback for the Owls. He bounced out to go to East Lansing up at Michigan State. He's there. You got a couple Temple Tough players on defense transfer out. One goes to Boston College. And I'm thinking of Isaiah Graham Mobley. You know, some other guys go to Rutgers. That just doesn't that doesn't happen like that in a coach's third year now. Like I, I get it when a new coach comes in, maybe you'll uh, transfer out when he comes in, or maybe you'll transfer out like after the second season. But the fact that players are leaving and it's now your third season there, Temple Tough guys, guys that know the program well, know what it's about to win, have been on winning programs at Temple. The fact that those guys are leaving, that's not a good sign. That is not good at all. And I know you brought in a lot of talent, you know, players from Georgia or North Carolina. Like, you're bringing in talent, but can you coach that talent? Are you able to mold these guys into winners for the Temple program? And it doesn't look as if that's happening yet. And I said, there's still four games left, so they could easily turn it around. I just don't believe that will happen, if I'm being truthful. So what does Temple do from here? If you're a fan of the program or if you're the new AD, what what do you do? You have to take a hard look at where this program has been these last three years, and you have to figure out if this is the direction you want to continue going in. But that's that's no good. And I just want to spend some time talking about it because Temple is in my backyard. I do pay close attention to what they do, and it'll be curious to see what they do down the stretch here. So. Just want to share that news with you all and share my thoughts on that. Uh, but then, other than that, I did want to end this podcast off on somewhat of a, a good note compared to te- news about Temple. I mean, yikes, that, that's pretty bad. But as you know, I 
went to the Austin Film Festival a couple weeks ago, and it was an awesome experience. If you were a screenwriter or a playwright or a creative, if you're a filmmaker, I definitely would recommend you make a trip out to the Austin Film Festival. I, I would love to make it an annual trip. And I had a great time. I learned a lot. I met a lot of other creatives. It was a really great place for me to try to get that spark back to start writing again and to start revisions on stories that I've written. I had two of my stories that I submitted made it to the quarterfinals of the Austin Film Festival this year. So I was pleased that that had happened this year. And I just like to write and just trying to see how far I can take this. And it's just a great experience if you're a creative, and I highly recommend you check it out. On my flight back from Austin, I had a, a leg that stopped in Atlanta. So I flew from Austin to Atlanta. I was pretty tired. I had stayed up pretty late one of the nights, like the last full night I had stayed up pretty late. And so, you know, I'm just trying to chill out. I had to wake up early for my flight as well because my flight leaving Austin was at 6.30 or something like that. I woke up at 3.30 to get ready, and I got a text that I, I missed, but I got a text at uh, like around 4 o'clock that said my flight was going to be pushed out until like 7.30 or 7.40, something like that. So I was pretty tired, and usually when I'm on the plane, I I just listen to my iPod or I'll watch something on Netflix. I've got some Bose speakers uh, or Bose headphones that I, just, I wear, and I kind of just chill out. I just zone out and it's it really, honestly, flying alone is one of the few moments that I have to just have time for myself. I'm zoning out. There's nothing I, I can do. Like there's nothing I need to do when I'm in the air. You know what I mean? It's time for me. I can collect my thoughts. I can just listen to music. I can zone out, just chill for like an hour and a half, two hours, whatever. And so, you, you know, I was expecting to do that on this flight from Austin to Atlanta. I actually had the pleasure of sitting next to this this older gentleman. His name is James. I sat next to him, and I, I, I kid you not, we started talking right before they started pushing back from the gate in Austin. And then the entire flight, we were talking literally nonstop from the time we pushed back from the gate to touchdown at Atlanta. That was probably an hour and a half flight you know, from gate to gate total time. And I, I had the opportunity to speak to James. He was a, a pleasure to speak to. It so pleasant. And pro this is probably a guy that, you know, on paper, we, James and I probably don't have a lot in common, but sports is a great unifier. And college football was a great unifier. College football, we, we talked the entire time about college football, pretty much. Just talking about teams that we like, teams that, you know, on the hot seat, programs that we like, Things that uh, have been kind of crazy this season. We talked a lot about Notre Dame. James, he's from Tampa, and so I think he was just passing through. He was at the Formula One event uh, during Austin when I was there at the Austin Film Festival. So he's just talking to me about that experience. F1 seems crazy. It seems awesome. I want to get into it. But yeah, we talked about that. We talked about college football. We talked about how surprising Notre Dame has been thus far. We talked about some Jerome Bettis when he was an Irish player. I mean, we talked about everything, it seemed like. And I literally had my headphones on. I was I was getting ready to turn my iPhone on to listen to my music. And we just started talking naturally. And the conversation flowed for an hour and a half. I've never 
had a conversation like that with a random stranger for so long. It's only happened once before, and that was actually, I credit my buddy Steve. He got me to move out to San Diego years ago, but since then, I, I don't typically talk to strangers on planes. I'm open to it, but usually I'm just chilling. I'm in my own my own headset, my own mind, mind state, and uh, I enjoy talking to James. I didn't want the conversation to end. And we talked college football. We talked everything. And he it was just so pleasant to, to speak to. And I feel like we need more conversations like that. Like, just have honest conversations with people. Just be open, you know? Just, I wish we did more of that, I guess is what I'm saying. And I really enjoyed that opportunity to speak with you, James. He actually sent me a letter. Uh, he emailed me. He said, you know, we sat next to each other on our flight from Austin to Atlanta on Monday. I just wanted to say hey and thanks for one of the more enjoyable flights I've taken in a while. I enjoyed our conversation. Hope you were able to catch your connecting flight to Philly. I checked out your podcast. Very cool. I'll be listening. Anyway, just wanted to say hi. You are an interesting individual, and I hope the best for you and your family. Take care, man. James. That's such a sweet letter. James, thank you for the opportunity to have the conversation with you, to sit next to you for our flight. I really enjoyed it as well. Thank you for sending me an email. Hopefully, we can stay in touch, and I hope to uh, convert you over to a cherry picking podcast listener. I know you said you don't listen to podcasts normally, but I hope you enjoy this podcast and I hope that you can uh, continue writing if you want. Uh, you, you all can tweet me, send me emails, but just wanted to take the time to say thank you, James, for the very thoughtful letter. It was really a pleasure to sit next to you and hopefully I can talk to you again sometime soon. But yeah, just want to share that little note. That really made my day. I got it uh, a couple days ago from James. So that was just a nice little letter. And I, again, I enjoyed the opportunity to talk to him. And it was uh, it was nice. It was unexpected. With that, I just want to say thank you all for downloading this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to reach out to me, you know where to find me. At Twitter, at Cherry underscore Pickin. You can email me as well at CherryPickinSports at gmail.com. You can say what's up. You can tell me what you think about the college football season. Yeah, hopefully we can have a conversation that way. But if not, just keep downloading the podcast. I definitely appreciate that support and the follows. And uh, hopefully we can have some good college football to look back on next week after week 10 action concludes. So with that, I want to say thank you. Be safe this weekend, everybody. Enjoy watching college football. And I'll talk to you real soon. Peace. Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com. If you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin'. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickinsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.